Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church Podcast. Today, we talked about our new family ministry. Uh, We are very excited for the vision that God has given us to minister to not only the kids, but the whole family. I hope you enjoy this. If you have any questions, you can email info at cobblestonechurch.com. And if you have any prayer requests, please reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you. It's prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, everybody. So a little warning before I start. Um, I've been really feeling the presence of the Lord a lot today on me, and I've been crying a lot this morning, so this is your warning today. (laughs) Um, Even just looking at those, I just woke up with such a strong sense of the Lord's love and how undeserving we are of it, and I just can't stop crying. So here we go. (laughs) Uh, So what I'm doing here today, uh, what I'm going to try to do here today, is um, talk about family ministry, which is a little different than what we've done in the past as far as sermons are concerned. Uh, First of all, I know that our families, we know as elders that our families and our kids have been waiting for a really long time. And just want to start off saying thank you. You guys are awesome. Uh, Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Um, Our church has been really gracious regarding this issue. And uh, we, um, we have arrived at something that I have deep, deep confidence is what the Lord wants for our church. It is something that is very different from what we've done in the past. So we decided that it would be good to actually uh, dedicate a Sunday morning sermon to explain uh, not just what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. Now, um, you know, if you're not a parent with young kids, you're like, oh, this is going to be a boring, you know, Sunday. Like, what am I going to have for lunch? kind of thought. But I think that there's something here for everybody in this church. Like if you are 19 and the thought of having kids is nowhere in your mind, I think there are things in here that uh, you should probably listen to that might change the course of your family and how you decide to do family life. So anyways, that's just my little introduction. Uh, But we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6 this morning. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. I'm going to talk about um, our vision for family ministry. We're no longer going to call it kids ministry. We're going to call it family ministry. I'm going to talk about why uh, we're doing that. Uh, What's our vision behind it? I'm going to talk about what we're going to do and the why of each step. So um, before I forget, I'm actually not going to be preaching the whole time today. We are going to have some Um, members or, excuse me, leaders of our church come and share a little bit about their heart with you guys as well. Uh, And then if you have any questions uh, about anything that we say today, we're going to have people out in the atrium. Uh, My wife, Miranda, um, Brittany will be there. I'll probably be back there too if I'm not over here sobbing uh, to answer any questions about anything that we say and how family ministry is going to work if you'd like to sign up and all of that. We'll be there in the atrium afterwards. Okay, so Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 4. Uh, before I start reading, um, I just want to remind us that at the beginning of this year, the elders, we uh, talked about the new vision for our church. Not that it was necessarily new per se, but kind of the revamp and rewording of it. And the way that we've summarized the whole thing is this. We are going to be lovers of God, uh, loving others into encounters with Him, uh, because that's the, our goal in life. That's why the Lord created every single person here, is to love Him and to be loved by Him. There's no greater calling, there's no happier thing that a human being could ever dream of than to be in love with God and to be loved by Him. And uh, we are really committed to that. Uh, I personally call myself a First Commandment fanatic. Like, I'm really committed to that in my personal life. I pray, think about it every single day. Like, as elders, we want to be a people who are in love with God and in love with one another. Um, And the first time that the first commandment shows up about loving God is here in Deuteronomy 6. And the cool thing about this is God just doesn't tell us to do that. He also tells us how to do it. Um, 
and it's actually really simple. Uh, and that's what we're going to read right now. So uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's the first commandment. There's our church vision. How do we do this? He says, and these words that I command you today will be on your heart. So he says, first, individually, as most of us interpret the first commandment, is keep my words in your heart. That's how you're going to do this. But what Moses here explains, what the Lord is saying to us, is that the first commandment is not just an individual thing that I do with the Lord. It's a communal thing. It's a corporate thing. It's a family thing. And that's what we see starting in verse 7. Um, Moses, or the Lord says to the people of Israel, you're going to teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You will bind them as a sign on your hand and they will be as frontless between, or, yeah, between your eyes. You're going to write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So what the Lord says here, you do this individually, you keep the word in your heart, but you don't, that's not where you stop. You talk about them in your family. You talk about them all the time. In any activity that you're doing, there's nothing that God can't be a part of. You talk about them when you're driving to school, when you're driving to the game, at the dinner table, when you're going to grandma's house. You talk about them any time of the day, any part of your life. Um, now, what happens a lot of time, Kristen made this because uh, she's awesome. Uh, so here I have a little demo here. Uh, this is how many hours parents spend with their kids. It, it's in a year, right? She actually counted and like, put the right number of Skittles. Now, I suspect that Andrew and Dave uh, probably have snacked on some of these Skittles because they've been on her office, but I'm, we'll just say it's perfectly accurate. Uh, and this is the number of hours that kids spend in church during a year, okay? So amount of hours that kids spend in church in a year, amount of hours that kids spend with their families makes sense, right? Now, in our culture, the way that our culture teaches us to raise our kids well is provide them lots of opportunities to be successful. We want to put them in good schools, good athletics, good extracurricular activities. We want to go to a good church so that we can dedicate these hours to the Lord so they can have good lessons and learn about the Bible and things like that. But that is not actually what the Lord says. Is a, uh, not that that's bad, but that's not the Lord's idea uh, to raise children. He actually says, you should talk about me just as a regular part of your daily life. I want to be a regular part of your daily life. We should dedicate time to the Lord. We should dedicate time to be with the body. But what the Lord wants, it's like if I poured water on all of this, which I'm not going to do, he wants to be in the middle of all of this over here. He doesn't just want these. He wants to be in all of this, okay? Because the thing is, the mandate to raise children with the Lord is for the parents. It's not for the church. There's actually nothing in Scripture that says that children, or that the church should raise up the children in the ways of the Lord. It says the parents should raise up children in the ways of the Lord. So, I am, what I'm not saying here is that if you're doing this, you're doing something wrong. You're not. This counts. The Lord sees it, and he's going to use it. However, we want to do the first commandment. And what the Lord says is you have to do it individually, and you have to do it as families together. And we need each other. I need you, and you need me in order to do the first commandment well. We can't do this on our own. Now, what I'm not here to do is to take uh, this time to make you feel bad and make you feel guilty about not discipling your kids. What we are going to do with family ministry, and I hope this doesn't fall and spill Skittles all over the place, our family ministry this time here, what we're going to do is we're going to turn our time here at church as a support for the time at home, okay? 
as elders in our church, we want to use the time that we're all here, that we've set apart uh, to be here together, to support you, to bless you, to build you up, and to help change, perhaps, the story of your family and the story of your generations, okay? So we're not going to do kids' ministry anymore. That thing is dead, and we're not going to go back to that where we just drop off our kids and then we come in here. We're going to do something together as a family. Thus the new name, Family Ministry. And I want to explain what we're going to do and a little bit why of each step along the way. So first of all, child care is going to stay the same, birth through three, drop them off at the beginning, okay, and leave them there till the very end. But uh, with kids uh, four, age four through sixth grade, we're going to do something different, okay? The first thing we're going to do is we're going to worship here together as a family. Uh, and I want to explain why should we do that, right? Because um, to some of us, that's the new thing. And some of us, it's difficult, and it's annoying, and I want to explain all of that. So if you guys will turn with me to Exodus 33, verse 11. Um, so a little bit of background in this verse. So the Israelites are in the desert with Moses, and uh, Moses has a tent where God literally comes down to talk to Moses face to face, Okay. So Moses used to go in this tent, talk to God, and then leave the tent and then go talk to the people. Okay, so this is the background for this verse. Uh, So, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, and then here is a really important detail, a young man would not depart from the tent. Okay, so this seems like out of nowhere, but here's what's going on. What the Bible is telling us is that Joshua, who was a young man, right, that detail is there on purpose. So he's the younger generation. He's the one who's coming up. He got to watch Moses and God talk to each other as friends. And after he got to watch that, then he had some time on his own to try that out. And it was part of their routine. Joshua would go in there with Moses. Joshua would kind of have a, a, you know, kind of experience it vicariously, you know, watching this relationship that God had with Moses. And then slowly, with time, he would um, develop his own relationship with God. And the interesting thing in all of the Old Testament is that in the history of Israel, there's never two generations of leaders stay faithful to God from beginning to end. This is the only time. And the unique thing is that this is the only time in Israel's history where a leader let the next leader watch their relationship with the Lord. And it worked really well. And here's the thing. This is something that Jesus did in the New Testament. Um, In the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus went up to pray, he brought his disciples with him, some of his disciples with him, and then his face started shining like the sun, and we get that whole passage. But they got to watch. And then when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we all know the part where Jesus says, ah, oh, pass this cup from me. The apostles got to watch that. He didn't just tell them that that happened. They got to be a part of it. John chapter 17, that whole chapter is a prayer that Jesus prayed that marked the Apostle John so much that John remembered it for the rest of his life. He got to watch Jesus pray that. Jesus let the apostles watch his relationship with the Father, and it marked them. And they did really well later on, partly because of that. Uh, Paul did the same thing with his disciples. Philippians verse 4 Those of you who grew up in church know the verse that says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, bring blah, 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 blah. You know, this is how we deal with anxiety. We deal with with anxiety through prayer. Well, what most of us don't memorize is the last verse of that passage that Paul says, what you have seen and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So what's Paul saying there? 
he must have been anxious about something when he was with the Philippians. And they watched him and heard him pray his way through his anxiety. That's why he says, what you saw and heard me do, you do it. He didn't just teach them. He let them watch him. Okay? So the reason why we want to worship together as families is because our kids, we can't just tell them about God and say, go do it. They need to watch somebody do it. Okay? It's like driving, right? You don't just take somebody to a class about driving and then let them drive a car. You'd be kind of crazy if you did that. Uh, we, we have to show them. You have to walk them through it. And the Bible says in Psalm 22, verse 3, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Did we not experience that today? I don't know about you, but God was here. And here's what happens. When you let your kid watch you praise and worship the Lord, it teaches them something. It puts something in their heart when their heart is tender and soft like wet cement. And then in the decades to come, there's fruit that comes from that over and over and over again. But you got to let them watch you. got to let them watch you. So I have a personal testimony about that, and I'm probably going to sob, but... <laughs> when I was a kid, um, my parents were teenagers when they had me, so I grew up with my grandparents. And... Uh, my grandma used to drag me into her prayer meetings. And uh, I think it was really a practical thing. She just had to watch me. But uh, used to be a church like this, and there used to be 10 of her friends, you know, they used to be praying together. And I would be bored out of my mind. Um, I would just walk back and forth, climb over, crawl under, you know, and just do whatever I could with the church chairs. And sometimes um, I would get pieces of paper and draw triangles and label each corner Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, I spent so, many, so much time in that church. Uh, but what would happen every now and then is that those women were there to meet God and He would come and meet them. And I could feel it. I felt him. And he was so real. And it was like a giant would step in the room. And uh, I could tell that he could see me. And he saw every part of me. And then it would lift. And it just happened in bits over the years. And frankly, if you talked to me as a kid, I would have wanted to talk to you about X-Men and Power Rangers, and I wouldn't be like, oh, I had this great revelation at the prayer meeting today. You know, like, that was not the kind of conversation that I used to have. But um, it was real, and I knew it. And um, nobody else knew it, because I didn't even know how to articulate it. I was a kid. I just felt it. And my heart was, was open and tender, and it marked me. Um, and what would happen, you know, those experiences have just been so good over the years, and I'm not going to get into all that, but when I was a teenager, and when things started getting harder, and that wet cement started getting stubborn, and I wanted to go my own way, it would kill me when I used to rebel against the Lord, because I knew He was real, and I could not lie to myself. And I know that different people have uh, seasons of their lives where they doubt if God's real. Uh, and in all honesty, I've never had that. And it's because I watched my grandma pray. And I watched the Lord come and meet her when she prayed. And I knew that he was real. And I couldn't lie to myself as a teenager. And I started getting into some really horrible things but I couldn't do it for very long because it would drive me nuts. I couldn't get God out of my mind. And those prayer meetings saved my life, most likely, because I knew He was real. And when we're here, you know, I am so thankful to my grandma. 
for the sacrifice that she made with putting up with some bad behavior sometimes because she changed my life. And I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And here's the thing, guys. I have four kids, and one of them has autism. So I get it that it's not fun sometimes being in here with kids. But I promise you, from Scripture and from my personal life, let them watch you worship the Lord. Because He comes here. He inhabits the praises of His people. And you don't know what you're doing, what He's doing in your kids' hearts. But He's doing something. He's planting a seed there that will bear fruit for decades to come. It's worth it. It's worth it. I am so thankful for what I got to experience. I'm so thankful that she made those sacrifices. Um, and I have a word here really quick for our college students regarding worshiping here as a family. We don't really have a super full service today, but sometimes during second service, we're like almost coming out of the windows. There's so many people in here. So if you're a college student, you are young and spry, and you have lots of vigor, which us parents don't. If you see a family coming in with kids and the church's full, I want to ask you in all gentleness, give them your seat and you stand in the back. Not because we don't think you're important, but you'll be okay standing in the back. And if a family is standing in the back with four kids, they won't, okay? And uh, the Bible says, let each of one look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you come here on Sunday mornings, you're part of this family, and we want you to serve the families of this church, okay? Now, um, after worship, we're going to go back there. Uh, we're going to release the kids. They're going to get colored stickers, and we're going to have three different rooms back there where the kids get to do um, kids' church. Not kids' church. Excuse me, family ministry. We don't call it kids' church anymore. Uh, now, I'm going to explain here what the three rooms are, uh, why we're doing each thing in the three, uh, three different rooms, and then we're going to have a couple of people come up and share their heart with you guys. Now, before I do, what we are asking of the parents is that both parents serve once a month in family ministry. And uh, you're going to see why this whole thing is set up uh, for families. It is not set up as classrooms. For one thing is we are not going to split the kids up by age group, okay? We are going to keep siblings together. So if you have two, three, four, five, however many kids, all your kids are going to be together, and they're going to be in family ministry together because God didn't create classrooms. He created families, and we want our time here at church to be to equip families to live the life that God wants them to live together. Now, we are not against classrooms. I am a public school teacher. If I was against classrooms, I wouldn't be doing my job, okay? Um, I have a master's in education. Nobody here is against educational philosophy or theories or whatever you want to call it. Um, but God did not create classrooms, and he has called us to be families that he's a part of. So we're going to focus on that first. If in the future we decide to go back to classrooms, we can do that. But uh, right now we're going to focus on this family thing. So kids are going to be together with their siblings. And if you, mom and dad, are serving that day, you're going to be with your kids. Okay? And then your kids are going to go through three different rooms, uh, not in any particular order. Uh, it's going to be dependent on the color that they get. And the three rooms are... Uh, they complement each other, but they don't have to be sequential, okay? So the first room that we're going to have is the lesson room, okay, the lesson room. So in this room, uh, it's going to be very simple, okay? We're going to uh, open the Bible, and we're going to read the Bible together, just like 10 verses, 20 at the most. Why? Because this is how we would do it at home, okay? I don't know about you guys who have kids, but I don't really have that. I have four kids. They're different ages, different personalities, different learning styles, different everything, right? There is no way that I can prepare. I mean, I already prepare 15 lessons a week for my students. I like, don't want to prepare another four lessons for four different people so they can each get the Bible perfectly the way that they like, should get. And it's not that I'm selfish. It's just 
is just, that won't work. I can't sustain that, and probably neither can you, right? So the way that we do family devotions at home is just Deuteronomy 6. We just talk about it. It's very, 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 very simple. And in this room, uh, the lesson room, we're going to keep it really, really simple. We're going to open the Bible. We're going to read 10 verses and talk about each verse, one verse at a time, just like we would at home. And you can sit with your kids and you can just watch or you can be part of the lesson if you want, okay? Um, we understand that sometimes when you try to do this at home, kids won't listen, right? I mean, they get, they're crazy sometimes, right? Let's admit. Um, but here's the thing. We hope that by practicing this at church, maybe it'll, it'll be a little bit easier because they're going to see, oh, look, my friend and his sister and his brother, they're doing this too. This is something that every family in our church, we're doing this together, okay? It's family ministry. It's not kids' church, all right? Our goal here is to make your life easier while we are talking and learning about the Bible. In the lesson room, we're also going to learn about worship. Why do we worship? What is worship? How do we worship God? And all of those things. And finally, we're going to learn about prayer, okay? Uh, what is prayer? How do we pray? But also, how do we pray for other people? How do we bless other people when we pray for them? How do we hear from the Lord when we're praying for people? When kids minister to people, guys, it's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. And we want to... Uh, raise up our kids to be instruments of the Lord. All right, so that's the first room. The second room is going to be the discussion room. Okay, now if you are a mom and dad who uh, is with your kids uh, this time, uh, this is the room here where you're going to participate the most. Okay, and I want to explain exactly what your participation is going to be because I know that makes a lot of people anxious. Okay. But before I do that, I want to let everybody know that in the discussion room, we're going to have snacks, okay? And snacks are awesome. And I, the kids love snacks, and dads love snacks, okay? And you, that day, you will not be thinking about lunch because you'll get a little snack at church, okay? Dads, and you can sit down and eat with your kids. Uh, but part of our goal there is uh, we're trying to simulate a little bit a dinner table. We're, we're literally going to have tables in the room with snacks. And we're going to sit down and eat and talk about God together. Uh, sometimes it'll be about a verse. Sometimes it'll just be about a topic. And each room will have a teacher, okay, that's directing everything that's happening in the room as you travel with your children. And in this room, we're going to have a teacher. And moms and dads, as you walk in, we're going to give you some cards, okay, to help you participate in the discussion. So you could get one of two cards. One of the cards could be a prayer card where we're going to ask you to pray uh, with the kids that day. Now, I know that some of us aren't used to praying out loud or even praying in front of other people. Uh, so if we look at our prayer card here, this is literally a prayer card from one of the trials that we did. Like, we didn't type this up for the sermon. This is literally what we did when we were doing the trials last month. Uh, so it says, pray the written prayer below or use your own prayer. So we're going to pray before our snack, like most, a lot of people pray before dinner. Uh, so if you feel comfortable praying on your own, you can pray your own prayer. But if not, you, all you got to do is read this. It's really easy, okay? Father, I thank you for the families represented in this room. We're thankful for this time to get together and learn more about you. We ask for your presence to help us to get to know you better. I pray that you would bless this time and bless this snack. In Jesus' name, amen. All done. That was it, okay? That would be your participation for that day. Uh, or you could get a discussion card, one or two discussion cards. So here's an example of a discussion card that we had uh, a mom or a dad do when we did the trial. So this was discussion card number four. So the teacher is leading the discussion, and then the right, right time, him or her would look at you and say, hey, do you want to do your part? And then you would literally say the bolded part. Loving God with all our strength means to love him in all of our actions or in everything we do. Who can give me an example of loving God through our actions? And then the kids would answer. You can interact with them as much or as little as you feel comfortable doing. 
And it, here are some sample answers if you want to interact with the kids, but just drawing a blank at that moment. Giving to the poor, serving others, help mom around the house, helping younger siblings, telling others about Jesus, etc. Um, and that was, that's it. Okay, and then the teacher will help guide the discussion, and we're all going to learn to talk about God together at a snack table, kind of like a dinner table. Again, we're trying to equip you and bless you and build you up so that God can be a regular part of your life at home, not just something that we do at church. Okay? Um, now, a word about this discussion room. Sometimes that room is going to be really boring. Sometimes it's going to be really awkward. Uh, sometimes it's going to be crazy because we have a bunch of kids in there, okay? I remember when I was doing the, that discussion room, one of the trials, and one of the times we had a kid who really wanted to talk about Baby Hulk, okay? And we had uh, conversations about Jesus, and we had conversations about Baby Hulk. And you know what? That's fine, you know? It's totally normal because that's what's going to happen in your house. Some of these discussions are going to be really boring. That's fine. Some of them are going to be awkward. Some of them we're not even going to get through them because the kids are crazy. That's okay. That's what happens at home. That's what we're going to let happen here. Okay? Um, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will move and will teach a kid about Jesus and would put something in their hearts that will impact their lives for the long term. And sometimes, maybe the Holy Spirit will move on you and your kid when you're in there together, talking about him together, because that's what the Lord does. Okay? Uh, so we are not going to make this fancy. We are going to make this just like it would be at home. We're going to demystify this thing. We're all going to get used to things being normal, and naturally supernatural, okay? Uh, and then the last room will be the game room. Now, in this room, we're going to play games. And just because games are fun, church should be fun, the people that I eat with, the people that I talk to God about, uh, the, the people should be the same people that I play with. And parents, you can play with your kids, and we can just all have fun together. Okay, each room's going to be about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, you're going to get to move between the rooms, okay? Now, uh, here's the, th the cool thing about moving between the rooms is movement is engaging, okay? Um, I remember when I was serving in Kidsmen, what feels like an eternity ago before COVID, one day in the K through first room, we had 14 kids, 12 of them were boys. And maybe it was a little wild in there, like the entire time. And I, one of the other dads looked at me and said, this feels like an eternity. I just want the service to end, right? And you're like, I can't believe you're saying that from the pulpit. I am because we all think it sometimes, right? It's okay to be honest, guys. Um, and here's the thing. Even with our trials, it doesn't feel like that, okay? And it's not that the old thing was bad, but uh, movement is good. Okay, we're going to move. I don't think you're going to feel like you're in a prison, guys, speaking to the dads here, okay? And your kids aren't either because they know they're going to get one of those rooms where they're going to get to play for 15 to 20 minutes and they're, because it's going to feel like a reward. They're going to do the other stuff because they know they're going to get to have fun. So it's not going to be as miserable as some of us think, okay? Promise. Uh, all right, so... Um, now, again, what we are asking here, uh, we're going to ask both parents to serve once a month, okay? Even if it's something new and uncomfortable for you, we're not going to force you. We can't force you, okay? But we are asking that you do this and just give it a shot. Just give it a try and just see, if anything, just for curiosity's sake, just see what might happen, okay? Um, so that we can grow together and um, the first and the second commandment, our church vision, we want to do this as family. Now, I want to end my part here with two things. Um, the story that I told you about my grandma, I don't usually tell people those things because it makes people feel bad. 
Uh, because the truth is, most people didn't get that experience as a kid, okay? Uh, and my goal here is not to make you feel bad, but I do want you for a second to stop and, if you didn't have that kind of experience as a kid, I want you to stop and think for a second, how may your life have been different if you did have someone who would put up with your bad behavior sometimes and show you their relationship with God. How may that have changed your life if you had an experience like me? Just think about that for a second. I think most of us would admit that it would have been much better and pretty awesome. And here's the thing. The past is gone, but you can change your kid's future. If you show them the little, if you're like, but I have so little, I, know, I don't know God so well. If you show them your little, they're going to be so much better for it. You can change their lives. You can change the story of your family. If you're willing to pay the price now, to show them, show them through your own life what God's like. I want to call Jeremiah and, and Heather and John up here. They're going to share a little bit about their hearts uh, for the family ministry. And I want to wrap up with this. Uh, to encourage us all, when Jesus was teaching the 5,000, at one point he looked at his disciples and said, you feed them. And they were like, what? There's 5,000 people. And he's like, well, what do you have? And he said, uh, we have uh, five loaves, yeah, five loaves and two fish. And he said, that's good. I can work with that. And he multiplied it, and he fed the 5,000. And there was more than enough left over. Here's the thing. Sometimes adding one more thing that we're supposed to do for our kids, right, like leading them spiritually, feels like we have to feed 5,000 people, right? But the Lord is not asking you to do this on your own resources. The Lord is asking us to just bring him the little that we have. Five loaves and two fish. Just come, participate, bring your little. The Lord will multiply it. He's able to do way above and beyond, exceedingly above and beyond anything that we ask or think. That's what he's like. So don't be intimidated about being spiritual leaders in your home. Just bring your five loaves and two fish and just keep, keep, keep bringing them. The Lord will multiply it and will do wonderful, marvelous things that you can never think of in your home. Man, guys, isn't Ed wonderful? That is a, a gentle man. Um, in the spirit of not so gentle is this guy. So, um, But I, I wanted to just, we're, Heaven and I are going to address just a couple things and, and then John's got something to say and then uh, we'll bless you guys and pray and get you out of here. But there's a, there's a scripture that I think kind of embodies what, what we all have in our lives, um, if we're honest. Um, and I'm going to Philippians 2, verse 2. It says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. So Paul wants the Philippians to have the same mind and having uh, the same love, being in full accord of one mind. So there's a unity. He's, he's wanting his people that he's led to, to get unified. And this is something as an elder we're asking, praying, and, and hopeful for you guys that we can get unified and have that full accord and of one mind. Now, verse 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say this. Not even coming to church. When he says once a month, I'm just going to talk. So bear with me here. When he says once a month, some of us are like, I don't want to do that. The dads, the moms, I don't want to do that. And that's okay that you think that. Don't get me wrong. I, I probably think that too sometimes. But it said do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Sometimes you can go to church with selfish ambition. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get mine. It's about me. I need my word. And what we're challenging, encouraging, and, and leading you guys in 
that sometimes getting yours will be back there. Sometimes you know, that's what Ed's trying to tell you. You'll be surprised what the Holy Spirit can do in you serving. Isn't it, isn't it better to, to give than to receive, to serve, right? Okay, there's, a, there's, some, there's some principle in that. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So we need the mindset to count others more significant than myself. So the little ones matter. And then if I take on and do my role, if Heather and I step up and do our part, then when we're doing that, then another parent group can be in here being blessed, being encouraged, worshiping the Lord, and we're back there. So we're, we're, we're working, we're counting others more significant than ourselves. And that's, that's important to us. Let each of you not look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And let me ask you, church, whether you're a parent or not, have you done that this week? Are you living under that scripture? Are you looking for people around you? Are you looking out for the interest of others? Because this is a beautiful opportunity in front of you to do this, right? Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Look, this is, how do I do this, Jeremiah? But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Everything good in your life is going to come when you learn to empty yourself and take the form of a servant when it comes to the things of God. It's true. I mean, it's true. That's, that's not even an overstatement. Okay? So, I got Heather up here, not just to look pretty. Yes, did somebody whistle? <laughs> she said, no. <laughs> I heard a whistle. Maybe it was in my head. Um, <laughs> so, there's a couple things that Heather and I just wanted to talk about that even today that I think could be a catalyst for some of the families in here uh, to go home with. Um, and as one of them is talking real, is, is being honest. Nobody knows your role, dad, like your wife. And nobody knows your role, mom, like the husband. And one of the things that we're realizing, Heather and I are big communicators, maybe even over communicators. But we realize in leading people we, that a lot of people don't communicate well. So the, the, maybe a little homework assignment is for the dads um, to kind of key this up, is allow some space and place for your wife. And you look at her and you say, how am I doing as a dad? A husband, yeah. How am I doing as a husband? We want to encourage you to ask these questions because that's in the spirit of humility, right? And hopefully, your wife will be honest. And vice versa, the wife says the same thing. So, um, so in front of all you guys, ask, no, I'm not going to ask Heather how I'm doing. Um, and then another thing as a dad, I want to put this also. As dads, ask your kids. Ask them, how are you doing with me as dad or mom, right? How am I doing as your, in, in your spiritual growth? This is real talk, right? This moves you to a place. And your kids might be like, dad, I want to learn more. I want you back there. I want you to read the Bible. I want to see you pray over mom. I don't know what your kids might say. I hope they say all that. But I know mine. I got a seven-year-old that she's not shy. She speaks pretty honestly. Um, so, Heath, I want to put you on the spot now. What do you say to the moms that uh, don't really want to do this? <laughs> no pressure. As I've been thinking about this, the biggest thing um, as moms when we come to church, and they do, as Ed did say, as families, I want you to be back there once a month. Um, some, some of you moms are like, oh, once a month, I, I come here to get fed myself. And honestly, what I want you to do is check your heart and pray and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with family ministry? As they're pouring out this, what they are going to do, ask the Lord, what is my, Lord, what is my role? Honestly, I've had to do this for myself. Jeremiah is an elder, so I get in all this talk with family ministry, and I have to check my heart. So I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done myself. When he says, we want you back there once a month, 
I have already made all of these other commitments, but I will say that I have surrendered and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I went and I um, served and I did the trials twice. And guys, it was such a blessing to be back there as a mom. Um, we have one child who's in the elementary, she's seven, second grade. And it was so cool really to walk room to room with her. And honestly, I got to see how she was able to interact with other kids, other parents. Um, I was able to meet other families as well. Um, and it was just so good to see people, our volunteers, open the word and teach our kids the Bible. And then, then throughout the week, um, I don't know about you guys, but when my other kids were little, we'd be like, what'd you guys talk about in kids' church? And their number one answer was Jesus. That was it. Every single, every single week, talked about Jesus. Well, what else did you talk about? Jesus, is, like they just gave us that simple answer. But because I was back there, I knew what they talked about. I knew the scripture that they were memorizing. And so I could really get into deep conversation with them. So really, I'm not going to sit here and say that you need to be back there. I'm going to ask you to do what I did and say, Lord, they're talking about family ministry. They're asking me to go back there with my children. I mean, guys, we're asking you to go back there with your children, your, your children. And, and just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And I can probably guarantee he's going to tell you what he told me is to go go and serve and love your children and, and others as well. One more, one more. Yeah, cutting her off. She's, she's no, I'm just kidding. She's wonderful. Um, number two, Heath, real quick, how would you encourage the moms to encourage husbands, because this is a real thing in church, that to be more involved in the leading their kids and at home, here, anywhere, what would you say to a mom that, that's saying, yeah, right, my dad, my, my husband ain't going to. First of all, don't nag them. Nobody likes. <laughs> no one likes a naggy wife or a naggy mom. And I've been one of those. Na na I, I mean, don't go home and be like, you should really do what he was saying up there. You should really do it. You could get that. I mean, don't or don't do that. Just talk. And you know what I, Jeremiah? I would really love if you could go back there with me um, the, at, at home too. It does. Sometimes, and there have been times when I have been by myself doing life, teaching my kids, and I've had to look at him and say, I feel like I'm doing this on my own. I, I need your help. I, these are your kids too. I didn't have the kids by myself. I'm not going to be doing this on my own. And guys, your kids need, if, if you're not a single mom or single dad, the, the mom and dad are huge, important. They're, they're important. And the last thing I'll close with, just is, as, as the dads, as a fellow dad, um, Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not a suggestion. I say that in love. It's not a suggestion, dads. We need to do this. A big part of, of young people wandering away is because the dad effect is not there. And you may not know what to say, and you may not know, be like, well, I can't talk well or pray good, or I don't sound like you guys. But just you being involved at home in their walk with Christ you praying with them, you being you. You don't have to be me. Be you in their life. Dads, you can do it. It's, it's, it's vitally important. It's huge. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done with all the things that I'm going to say now. Great. <clears throat> so the, the thing, uh, my actual part in this family ministry rollout uh, is, is to target a different demographic, if you use, pardon such a cold term, than, than uh, Jeremiah and Heather just talked about. But maybe this will make a, a proper segue. When I was a young dad, there was probably somebody saying to me, you need to do this. 
And to some degree, probably a high degree, I had convinced myself I couldn't. And, and uh, I, I wish I'd been not so hard-headed, wish I hadn't you know, played games with, with my own head and uh, been willing to hear that kind of a message. I, I remember being with a young dad one day, and not too many years ago, and he mentioned Ephesians 6.4. And he says, and from the NIV, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And he said, what's exasperate mean? I said, well, hang on, man. The, the verse pivots on the butt. It says, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You do that, they won't be exasperated, whatever that means. And, and I don't know, I've, I've said to you all before, God doesn't do unfunded mandates. If he says something needs to be done, he makes a way for it to happen. So if, if uh, your dad here in the room and you've convinced yourself like I have convinced myself, I can't, the Lord says you can. You can. And now for the thing I was actually supposed to be doing. Uh, did you know there was, a, there was a day, actually more than one day, it was the same event, Jesus' parents lost him. Lost him. Like, you got Jesus? I thought you had Jesus. You don't have Jesus. I thought you had Jesus. No, where's Jesus? Here's what had happened. You can get the, the full story in Luke chapter 2, go past the Christmas story, and then keep on reading chapter 2. When Jesus was 12 years old, his family went up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Been, they did this every year. Now, you got this expedition going. you got Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And you know Jesus had younger brothers and sisters. Yeah, Gospel of Mark talks about his younger brothers and sisters. And they've made this journey to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. The feast is over, and they start back to their hometown of Nazareth. If I'm remembering my Bible map right, it's about 75 miles from Jerusalem to Nazareth. Now do you appreciate your Honda Odyssey minivan more than you used to, right? Pretty good way to encapsulate the family. And you know, you look up in the rearview mirror, there's an empty seat. Like, what are we going <laughs> to yeah. They lost Jesus, and they traveled a full day out of Jerusalem before they realized he was gone, and he wasn't among them. So, so you imagine the, man, the, the moment of panic, okay? They began the journey back to Jerusalem. That's going to take a whole day to get back there. But they began searching for Jesus among their relatives and friends before they even turned around to start back to Jerusalem. Now this points up a reality that sometimes gets missed because as you read the story, you hear about how they found Jesus in the temple courts answering and asking questions among the teachers there. And so that's the thing you tend to remember about that story. But look at the reality that it's implied and implied heavily. Joseph and Mary were perfectly okay traveling a full day out of Jerusalem not knowing exactly where Jesus was. There had to have been a network of care, relatives and friends, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, just these, all these people whom they knew and they could trust. And they figured Jesus would be okay. Well, God had a special thing going on that particular time. But that network of care is the thing that's implied in the story that I want to point up right now. As we roll out family ministry, there is a great need, a great need for singles, empty nesters, parents of children who are older than sixth grade, all the people who become like these, these aunts and uncles and, and grandpas and, and grandmas and all that, who do the job of, of anchoring the lesson room and the discussion room and the game room as the parents move through those rooms with their kids. So you're, you're teaching, you're um, facilitating discussion, you're setting up the, the game. Need sharp-eyed people on security. There are going to be more kids in the West Wing more often than what we've had for the past uh, year and a half, going on two years now. A great need for those, for those folks, we who can free up parents to be with their children. That's what I'm pointing at right now. If you look at the story of Jesus being, being lost and, and, and the implications in that story, you can, you, can, you can see, if I nudge just a little bit, maybe you can see that that network of care was just as essential as anything else in their worship. They probably wouldn't have tried to get the family together and walk 75 miles to Jerusalem and 75 miles back to Nazareth if there wasn't this network of care they could lean into. That's the part uh, I'm hoping we can recreate right here in our, our little Jerusalem. 
Now, the part I don't want to recreate is a child left behind. So uh, it's going to take plenty of organization, plenty of that kind of stuff that I can't do, but there are people way smarter than me who can, and they will invite you into this, this, whole, this whole structure. So you got grandparents maybe you miss on Sunday morning. You don't have to miss them all the time on a Sunday morning. Nieces and nephews someplace, you don't have to miss them all the time, at least on a Sunday morning. We can make a way for this to work. And so I'm urging uh, all of us in that kind of a life situation to be a way maker. Just be a way maker. Um, last service, I got the end of it wrong. I think we are actually doing family blessing this time around. So I think there's supposed to be some people like up around me and behind me and things like that. I don't know how to do a smooth transition. <laughs> I should have figured you were hanging around back there somewhere. And I just sit behind that curtain all day long waiting for people to show up in this room. <laughs> You're real. It's all yours, brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think what's in my head the most when we talk about this is there's people here. You're like, I'm a college student. I'm single or I'm old. And I don't, you can put yourself in the old category. And you go, I don't have anything to do with this. You have everything to do with this. Uh, when we talk about family ministry, we're not just talking about kids and moms and dads biologically. We're talking about God put us together for a purpose. So if you're here, you're, you're my family. So like you have giftings, you should use them because I didn't give them to you, Jesus did. And so welcome to this family. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna lean into this idea. Unless the Lord blesses this, it will fail miserably. Uh, and we want the blessing of God, not just on this church or this house, but we want the blessing of God on you as a college student and you as a middle school student, as you as a single, as you as like an 18 to 30 year old, maybe you're not in any of those categories, as like the 65 year olds, the blessing of the Lord. And so we're just going to lean back into, into praying, and I get to pray over you a little bit, uh, but we're, gonna, we're actually going to lean into this through song, we're going to lean into this through prayer, uh, but I just want to, can we, can we get a little tinkle tinkle? There we go. Um, <laughs> been behind the curtain too long. Um, can you get... Just back to that place of like, however you pray and talk to the Lord, maybe you just, maybe you lay down. I don't, don't lay down. Maybe you're like, I just do laps. I just run. Not today. We're just going to talk to Jesus. Uh, Psalm 119 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers like labor in vain. So we can build a family ministry. We can tell dads what to do. You can even like what happens on Sundays or not like it, but unless God builds it. So we're just going to cry out as a family for God to build this thing. Jesus, I don't even want to rush. I, I actually love talking to you more than anything. So we, we, you are our Father. We cry out that you would build this, that you would have your will be done here, that your kingdom would come, that not even just I, for the family ministry, we just start to cry out, Lord, that you would show our kids your glory, your goodness, and that they would know you that they would love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. I pray specifically just for this whole endeavor of what we're calling family ministry, that even the details would come easy. The people that are needed for the specific things, that you would stir their hearts even right now. I pray for the mom that in her heart right now is like, oh boy, I don't have the strength for this. Would you like breathe life into mom? strengthen her you gave her those kids you put her in that house and so Lord I pray that you would put your hand upon the moms in right, even right now I speak life and blessing over the moms of Cobbleson and I pray for these the men the dads they would catch your you're the good father and they would image you that you would strengthen them according to your will, that you would stir them up, Lord, to pour their lives out, to love and to serve and to go to bed tired and wake up tired and just be tired. But in that tiredness, would you strengthen? Would you build these families a cobblestone the way that you want? So we're going to respond in song, and you can stay right there in prayer, uh, and then I'm going to come back out afterwards, and we're just going to start praying blessing over age groups. Uh, but I'll say this, if you're a family in this room, uh, my one ask today is at the end, there's going to be some elders here and here, is that before you leave, men, dads, you'd grab your family, 
and you would take a step towards, hey, I want the blessing of God on my family. And you would lead them to come get prayed over. The men would. And I know you're like, well, I can't make her do anything. Well, push her today. I don't, you know. Jesus, thank you. We do actually seek, I seek your blessing, not the world's. We seek your, your life, not the world's. And so right now, we respond to your word. We respond to your spirit. We gather together in your name. And in your name, everything bows. So church, would you stand and just kind of yell, declare, pray this song with us?